Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Yinscast, the official podcast of Yinscam, the mobile app and augmented reality developer based in Pittsburgh. Okay, so for those of you who don't know the word Yins, I looked it up for you. Dictionary.com defines it as a Pittsburgh equivalent to y'all. Uh, the Urban Dictionary defines it as a second-person plural pronoun. Sorry, they already lost me there. Uh, a second-person plural pronoun meaning you guys. So, in other words, it's a Pittsburgh word. And being that our company was born in Pittsburgh 10 years ago, happy 10th anniversary, uh, our founder Priya named the company Yinscam. And of course, we played off that by naming our podcast the Yinscast. So there you have it. We hope Yins keep listening and subscribe because we've got a lot of great interviews coming up for you in the weeks and months ahead. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy McPeak, and I'm excited to be joined today by a guest from Pittsburgh and an old friend of mine, Reagan Barubi of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, of course, Yinscam is a Pittsburgh-born and based company, so we are very proud to be the mobile app developer of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were actually our third team ever. So we have 180 mobile apps today, um, and the Steelers were the third team ever to join us. So we are very proud to uh, be the uh, app developer of the Steelers and excited to welcome Reagan Barubi, the director of content for the Steelers today. Reagan, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate your time. You said this this was your first your first ever podcast. It is my first podcast. Uh, we we do a <laughs> lot of podcasts and we share a lot of podcasts, but I've never done a podcast. Well, I'm honored uh, that you're joining us for your first one, and uh, it's it's fun to reconnect with you for the for our listeners. I met you back in uh, gosh, I'm I'm guessing probably 1999 or 2000, something like that, when you were with the uh, Boston Celtics and I was with the Phoenix Suns. I think we were both working on publications back then, primarily. Yeah, I got an internship with the Celtics right out of college. I went to school in Boston, and uh, you know I was primarily writing and designing team publications and, you know, doing game notes and game stats and PR work. And you were, uh, you helped me get into uh, Hoop Magazine to do more writing. And oh, I think I that's I where you and I, <laughs> yeah, you and I would, I think, compare notes. And, you know, I think we were both doing feature stories on the cover occasionally. And so that yep. was fun. So that was a, that was a long time ago and definitely a different industry back then. Absolutely. Um, talk a little bit about your career since then. I know you went to work for ESPN. You worked for a couple other sports teams before joining the Steelers in 2015, I think. Is that right? Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so I was at the Celtics for a few years, as you know, and then uh, I got to my mid-20s. I decided I really wanted to really understand video production more, and so I just entered oh, myself into a training program at ESPN, and you know, over the next four years, I really loved working as a producer on studio shows and doing long-form features for programs like Outside the Line, so that was cool. Um, oh, very cool. I, yeah, a, a former superior of mine at the uh, Celtics uh, moved out to work for the Cleveland Browns, and he asked me to join him there as a director of uh, marketing communications. And 
at the time I was focusing on really developing team content on platforms and promotions. You know, and back then it was very different because it was, uh, spent a lot of time working on cable TV and your radio partners and there were no smartphones. There was no social <laughs> media. There's like a desktop site. And then, you know, my time there, it changed dramatically in that time up until the point where teams then began to just really own the space and, uh, control right. their, their messages and their content. And, um, so it changed a lot. Um, you know, in my time at the Browns, our, our team had a common owner with one of the English Premier League teams, and I got to know people there and got to do a, quite a few trips over to the U.K. in my time there, and that actually ended up leading to a full-time job over in the Premier League. So I was there for a couple of years, and I there I focused on sales and sponsorship, which was just an incredible experience. Um, then I came back to the States, and like you said, 2015, um, came here to Steelers. So it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. What a great journey and what a cool life experience to be able to go live overseas for a couple of years. No doubt. It's, uh, it, was, it was incredible. It was a lot of fun. Um, so now as the director of content for the Steelers, what, what is your role at Scale today? Kind of give people a, a little bit of background on what, what you do day to day. Yeah, you know, so the the role is one that, you know, you really focused on developing content for all sorts of team platforms as well as ones owned by our partners. Um so that really covers the areas of digital, social, audio of several types, podcasts and one of them, um video production, creative, in stadium entertainment. You know, it's uh it's a lot of platforms, but we've a an incredibly talented group of people who manage some you know, really significantly sized platforms. And um, this requires a lot of discussion, a lot of group planning, a lot of collaboration, and which, as you know, is almost always a really fast-paced environment. It's, you know, now it's 12 months out of the year. Um, And as you know well, the platforms are always changing at a really fast rate. So, you know, you're the the issue your 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 wins are usually not wins for long and your uh <laughs> and and your struggles you know should be struggles for long if you keep keep planning and keep looking ahead um you know so it's it's a it's definitely a challenge but it's a lot of fun especially for a team that has got a fi- uh, following like the Steelers do that sounds an awful lot like the uh, the strategy or model for a team itself. I guess wins the wins don't last too long, <laughs> and the struggles don't either. Hopefully, if you if you plan correctly. No I doubt, that. no doubt, that's um, true. So we want to talk to you obviously about the Steelers mobile app. You guys have more than two million downloads. Um, what would you say are the, are the pillars of your mobile strategy, or maybe the key area of focus for you for that the mobile fan experience? Right. So. I'd say that um, the mobile app is one of the platforms we spent the most time on, or one of the platforms we spent the most time on over the past over the past few years. Um, like like many of the ones we work on, the focus areas evolve as the industry and the technology evolves. Um, I, I think, like many, but maybe not to the level we did, we saw a huge shift where our fans started on, on our own and operated, where they started leaving the traditional properties and going more over to the app. And that kind of made us sit sit up and take notice. And at first, that for, for that just meant for us um, make it easier to use, and by that, it's make it make the critical information for our fans easier to find. 
and that meant for us taking a really hard look at what we thought fans wanted and where they were spending time and what what we were spending our time on and we're getting results from. Um, you know, I think that included, you know, a real deep dive into push notifications. That's our strategy there and focus has changed a few times over the last few years. Um, you know, another critical area is in stadium utility. Um, making the app a, a tool for fans to attend our game, um, making the experience better and deeper. Um, and that's through a couple different areas. But, um, you know, it's been, uh, it's been, we spend as much time on our mobile app as we do, I think, really, you know, any other platform we have. So a couple couple new questions going to pop to mind as you were talking there. Um, yep. How many different – you said we. How many different people are involved in uh, your mobile app day-to-day? Uh, -day? Yeah, so I'd say that we have uh, on a week-to-week -week basis, you know, as many as three to four of our staff uh, our staff here um, that, um, are, that participate in the ongoing and regular projects that we have. You know, and as as we've as we've um, as we've grown the app, and we've seen success in some of the areas that we've built out, um, you know, more people get involved in the project, and I think that's a good thing. So, you know, we went through a project this summer where you know we had as many as ten to twelve people that were participating and collaborating, building um, a few different projects. Uh, so I think it, it it varies, but I'd say there's a core group of you know three to four folks that uh, work really hard on a weekly basis to just keep keep the ball moving and, and the development going. So you also, uh, you mentioned push notifications, and that's not something we've, we've really dove into with other teams yet. Can you just talk a little bit about um, that? And you said your strategy has kind of changed in that area a couple times. So what, what are you guys doing today with push notifications? Yeah, so I... I guess, well, I, I guess I might take a, a step back and say that uh, you know, I guess push notification, that's been an, an eye-opening, productive, challenging part of our our app strategy and development all at once. Um, you know, I think we've gone through we've gone through exercises at first where. You know, we started doing push, and we didn't really know how it was doing until we started to see some of the numbers that came back. And, you know, we would then drill deeply, you know, almost in by push to see how the results, what kind of results do they were, that, what was bearing out. Were they working? Were people engaging with them? And what we really did was then just retool everything we were doing, every push we did. Um, if it really wasn't working, we either changed it or stopped it. And if we were doing pushes to certain types of content that was really working, then, you know, we did more of it or or we tweaked it. Um, and so that's something that, uh, you know, that we spent a lot of time on. We're now pushing up to, I'd say, 12 to 15 groups on a regular basis. Basis. And that's based on as many factors as, you know, user selection to language to content consumption types. Um, it may not sound exciting to many, but to us it is, and uh, it's been it's been really valuable. And, uh, it's been successful, and it's uh, one that we spend a lot of time on. Oh, that's great. I think uh, that's something that a lot of teams could think about and, and use more strategically rather than just uh, for promotional messages or 
um, you know, obviously the automated score update. So I, I think that's uh, very helpful that a lot of our listeners are going to appreciate hearing about that. Yeah. Um, I know one of the other things that, that you've been uh, or that has been particularly impressive is your focus on data and using data to, to improve the app experience and, and drive more personalization, which I think is kind of part of what you touched on there with push notifications. But can you just talk about how you're using that data to, to personalize the app for fans in the stadium, in the market, outside of the market, you know, even in Mexico? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I'd say it, we're, I still say we're, you know, we're, we're still kind of, I think we're always learning about all of this, right? Um, but this has been a fun, a fun project. Um, I think the, the first piece of, on that front is just really reviewing the user flow and seeing where fans were going and where they were not going. And it sounds simple, but I think we made a better app by redesigning it for not what we wanted it to be, but for what the fan used it for. And that, that was, um, that was done really by just spending a lot of time with the Inscam and understanding just the numbers of where people were and then just digging into it and then really just making some tough decisions about it. Um, that set us down a road of learning more and more about our users and bucketing them into categories of how they consume different types of content. Um, that led us into the current environment where we're now allowing fans to create profiles that, you know, in some ways tie together with their usage. Um, I guess I would just summarize it by saying we're always working to develop an app that's providing our users a better experience and evolving it in that way and, right. you know, putting the numbers to it um, to help us make those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're, we are particularly proud of the, the work you've done in segmentation. Um, I know it's, it sounds fairly simple to just say give the fans more of what they want, but you've really developed a, a digital strategy around that and, and worked with us closely on that. Yeah, but I guess it is simple. Um, I think, you know, we were talking before about how things have changed so much and things go really fast. And I think it's always important that you just keep some really – simple goals in mind and as a group here we've we've come we've we've come to really um refer to the data a great deal and that's in a lot of the different areas and in, in content and even outside of the content group um it doesn't always drive the output but it's just almost always a factor and i think we get really excited about something if we get really excited about any project and it doesn't really perform well we we know we've got to work to change it so that we're using our time well and and that, that people are going to enjoy the hard work that's going into it um if something is performing well how do we tweak it to keep it that way you know sometimes right. you don't need to do that but sometimes you do you know with the app I think specifically um, that has affected our push strategy and even what appears in in the app every day and the order things appear um, so it's it, it, it to me it is kind of simple it, I think it's important to keep it simple um, you know you look at the numbers and then you make decisions based on the numbers yeah yep that makes sense um, can you talk a little bit about this, the different types of segments you have? We bucket users out by by content consumption. So if you consume a lot of video, um, you may receive push notifications 
that give you more video because we know you like to consume it that way. Um, the same for articles and photos. Um, so that's that's a deeper level of what most do, I think, and that's we've found yeah. that to be really successful. That's that we see user return on that significant uh, in a significant way. Um, so that, those are just a couple of the ones that we're doing. Content in Spanish as well, correct? Yeah, we well so we're we're um we are on several different non-English platforms, um Chinese, German, Spanish. Spanish is probably one of the ones that we produce the most in or editorial and video. Um and you know, we found that um the numbers aren't as large on on the terms of people who have selected into Spanish, but the ones who have um consume at a high rate, which is exciting. Um, yeah. So it's something that we continue to work on. And there's a few of those different types of, 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 of returns we've seen, Spanish being one of them. I know that uh, mobile apps have a lot of um, utility, as you mentioned, and, and you guys have the uh, interactive map of your stadium. Um, but you also have done some really cool, most, uh, you know, augmented reality experiences in your app for fans, um, which I think is something, you know, unique and a, a fun fan experience. Not not necessarily utility, but really engagement. Can you talk about some of those experiences and kind of how those came about and how we worked with you guys on those? Yeah, so we we um you know we spent we spent a good deal of time over at the Yinscam offices and um you know on a couple of the visits, visits there we got where we were able to see some of the other augmented reality projects that Yinscam had had been working on and developing and I think you know as I watch those and then as I go back into Heinz Field and walk around areas there, it just seemed to me that that was the type of thing that could really bring some excitement and some life to areas that maybe fans already enjoyed, you know, or areas that um, that could use, you know, a little bit of excitement added to them. And so, right. you know, the first thing we did was we took a, a an area, the terrible towel wall, which is a place where um, we we put on display for fans to check out, uh, you know, a lot of the terrible towels that have been developed over the years. And that, it's really a popular place. So we just took the idea of AR and we built out a, a feature where it allows you to, while you're in the area and you have our app and you point our point your phone, your, your camera at a sign, you can learn more about all the towels. So it just allowed us to give more context to things that, you know, you otherwise can't because of the space that's provided. It just allowed fans a deeper experience to can learn more that want to. Um, and it just added some excitement to an area that, um, that, that people already enjoyed. Right. Um, we took that concept and uh, took it and moved it over to uh, the six giant Super Bowl trophies that we have in also in the <laughs> FedEx Great Hall. And really there it was the same same concept. Uh people really love to look at these giant trophies. There's some really great static content that's already there. Um but we thought you know we can bring this to life with moving video, statistics and just some really cool um imagery to look at. And um you know we launched that uh just this past August something we worked on for a good deal of time with Yinscam. Um so those are the two two things that we've rolled out in the past I'd say 12 months. 
I love that. It's almost like an augmented reality museum or history museum for your fan base. That's that that's that's what we're doing. Um, you know, that's that's not going to go off our roadmap anytime soon. Um, but it is. It not everyone's going to do it. Um, but it just adds a new element to those who 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 might enjoy that type of thing. Right. And of course, not many teams have six trophies they can they, they can have fun with and celebrate. That's right. with. So that's that's pretty that's cool right. in itself. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the roadmap. Give fans a peek behind the steel curtain. What are what are some of the cool new things you're working on with Yinscam or or starting to think about now for for the next you know 12 months or two years? Right. Um, you know, I just say at this point, you know, augmented reality, I, I think will stay on, on the roadmap. Um, you know, you said it, I, I don't know exactly the terminology you use, but that creating that world, um, where you have the option, uh, to, to see things that are already there in a different way. So I think we'll continue to, to add on to that. Um, you know, the, the, the use, the, the, the ability for us to, um, see the data that's coming in, you know, that's something that we're spending time on so that we can see it better, we can see it faster, and it'll help us make decisions faster in a better way. Sure. Um, that's something we're spending a lot of time on right now, um, and that that will probably grow the group that is you know involved here on a day-to-day basis, the number of people involved in that, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, I would say that, um, you know, just the ability for people to really tailor their experience, um, based on their profile, um, and what they, and what they can, what they can see and watch, um, is something we're spending a lot of time on as well. Um, so I think those, those three things, um, I think there's a lot of offshoots to the, all of those. I think those are three kind of broad areas that we're spending, spending a good amount of time on. And again, um, just like, just like everything else we're doing, um, you know, on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, this is 12 months a year, so it is constantly happening. We've right. been working on things in the past that, you know, we realize when we get a quarter or halfway into it that, you know what, we need to tweak this. Or we see something else that's out there and say, you know what, this would actually work well for us in this way. So, you know, that's, that's, a, constant, that's a constant cycle. It is not a product that is ever finished. That's exactly true, and which which makes it fun as well, because you can always keep adding to it. Absolutely, no doubt. Well, Reagan, thank you so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it, um, and and most of all, we just want to thank you for for your support of Yinscam. We are so proud of everything that we've been able to do together with you and the Steelers, um, and we can't wait to see what the future holds for our, our next collaboration. For sure, uh, we'll, we'll keep it going, and uh, um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, the, the time we spend over at the offices or having Inscam over to ours. Uh, you know, we've we've done some fun things together for sure. Absolutely, and and, and you were great on your first podcast. So I think you need to uh, launch a <laughs> launch your own podcast there on the Steelers Network. I don't What's think that that's going to happen, but I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> no problem. Thanks a lot, Reagan. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jeremy. 